0: Hello there, you are listening to the First Person Drunk Podcast. We are currently reading Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis. Today we get up to Chapter 14. Uh, Now, in Chapter 14, there is something that you might have anticipated, uh, What with this being an early 20th century book that takes place in the South. Uh, this is where we get into the uh, racial characterizations <laughs> that uh, yeah, were kind of an inevitability. So I hope you will interpret them in the spirit of the original book. Um, <laughs> if you have any comments, then uh, you are welcome to seek me out. Send me an email. Let me know one way or the other. I will do my best to not be too ridiculously insensitive. Oh, and, of course, the First Person Drunk Podcast is brought to you by me, Miles Tabor, the one responsible for the aforementioned sensitivity, me, Miles Tabor, the public domain, and delicious, delicious whiskey. Any errors or ins- insensitivity is the fault of one of those three things. As I drove into the yard... A bare-headed old nigger with a game leg throwed down an armful of wood he was gathering and went limping up to the veranda as fast as he could. He opened the door and bawled out, pointing to us before he had it fairly open. "'Oh, Mars William! Oh, Miss Lucy! Dave him home! Da, he!' A little, bright, black-eyed old lady, like a wren, comes running out of the house and chirps, Oh, Bud! Oh, my honey boy! Is he dead? I reckon not, Miss Lucy," says Bud, raising himself up on the mattress as she runs up to the wagon, and trying to act like everything was all a joke. She was just high enough to kiss him over the edge of the wagon box. A worried-looking old gentleman come out the door, seen Bud and his mother kissing each other, and then says to the old nigger man, "'George, you old fool! What do you mean by shall now like that?' "'Moss William,' begins George, explaining, "'Shut up,' says the old gentleman, very quiet. "'Take the bay mare and go for Dr. Porter. Then he comes to the wagon and says, "So they got yo, bud. Yo would go night riding like a rowdy and a thug. Ah, yo much hurt." He said it easy and gentle, more than mad. But Bud, he flushed up, pale as he was, and didn't answer his dad direct. He turned to his mother and said, "Miss Lucy, dear." It would have done yo heart good to see the way them trust warehouses blazed up." And the old lady, smiling and crying both to once, says, "'God bless her, brave boy!' But the old gentleman looked mighty serious, and his worry settled into a frown between his eyes, and he turns to me and says, Yo must pardon us, sir, for neglecting to thank yo' sooner. I told him that would be all right for him not to worry none. And him and me and Mandy, which was the nigger cook, got Bud into the house and into his bed. And his mother gets that busy ordering Mandy and the old gentleman around to get things and fix things and make Bud as easy as she could that you could see she was one of them kind of woman that gets a lot of satisfaction out of having someone sick to fuss over. And after quite a while, George gets back with Dr. Porter. He sets Bud's arm, and he locates the bullet in him, and says he guesses he'll do in a few weeks if nothing like blood poisoning nor gangrene nor inflammation sets in only the doctor says he reckons instead of he guesses, which they all do down there. And they had all them easy-going, wait-a-bit kind of voices and didn't see no particular importance in their R's. It wasn't that you could spell it no different when they talked, but it sounded different. I eat my breakfast with the old gentleman, and then I took a sleep until time for dinner. They wouldn't hear of me leaving that night. I fully intended to go on the next day. But before I knowed it, I've been there a couple of days and have got very well acquainted with that family. Well, that was a house divided again itself. Miss Lucy, she is awful favorable to all this night Rider business. She spunks up and her eyes sparkle whenever she thinks about that, that there tobacco trust. She would have liked to have been a night rider herself; but the old man he says law and order is the main pint. What the country needs, he says, ain't burning down tobacco warehouses and shooting your neighbors and licking them with switches, for no wrong done never righted another wrong." "But you were in the Ku Klux Klan yourself," says Miss Lucy. The old man says the Ku Kluxes was working for a principle. The, the principle of keeping the white supremacy on top of the nigger race. For if you let em quit work and go around ballotin' and voting, it won't do. It makes em biggity. And a biggity nigger is laying up trouble for himself. Because sooner or later... He will get to thinking he is as good as one of these here Angle Saxtons. You are always hearing so much talk about down south. And if the Angle Saxtons was to stand for that pretty soon, they would be sociable equality. And next, the whole darn country would be niggerized. Them the Anglo-Saxons that come over from Ireland and Scotland and France and the Great British Islands and settled up the South just simply couldn't afford to let that happen, he says. And so they ku kluxed the niggers to make them quit voting. It was their job to make law and order, he says, which they couldn't be with niggers getting the idea they had a right to govern. So they ku kluxed them like gentlemen. But these here night Riders, he says, is again law and order. They can shoot up more law and order in one night than can be manufactured again in ten years. He was a very quiet, peaceable old man, Mr. Davis was, and Bud says he was so darn foolish about law and order he had to up and shoot a man about fifteen years ago who hearn him talking that away and said he reminded him of a Boston school teacher. But Miss Lucy and Bud, they tells me what all of them night ridings is for. It seems this here tobacco trust is just as mean and low down and unprincipled as all the rest of them trusts. The farmers around there raised considerable tobacco, more'n they did of anything else. The trust had shoved the price so low they couldn't hardly make a living. So they organized and say it said they would all hold their tobacco for a fair price. But some of the farmers wouldn't organize, said they had a right to do what they pleased with their own tobacco. So the Night Riders was formed to burn their barns and ruin their crops and whip them and shoot them and make them giant and also to burn a few trust warehouses now and then, and to show them this free American people, composed mainly out of the Anglo-Saxon races, wasn't going to take no sass from anybody. An old fella, by the name of Roof Daniels, who wouldn't join the Knight Riders, had been shot to death on his own doorstep, just about a mile away, only a week or so before. The night Riders mostly used these here automatic shotguns, but they didn't bother with bird shot. They mostly loaded their shells with buckshot. A few bicycle ball bearings dropped out of old roof when they gathered him up and got him into shape to plant. There is always some low-down cuss in every crowd that carries things to the point where they get brutal, Bud says and he feels like them bicycle bearings was going a little too fur, though he wouldn't let on to his dad that he felt that away. way So fur as I could see, they hadn't hurt the trust none to speak of them night Riders, but they had done considerable damage to their own county, for folks was moving away, and the price of land had fell. Still, I guess they must have got considerable satisfaction out of raising the deuce knights that away, and sometimes that is worth a whole lot to a fella. As far as I can make out, both the Trust and the night Riders was in the wrong. But you take one at a time, personal-like, and not into a gang, and most of them night Riders is good dispositioned folks. I never knowed any Trusts, personal, but... Maybe if you could catch them the same way, they would be similar. I asked George one day what he thought about it. George, he got mighty serious right off, like he felt his answer was going to be used to decide the whole thing by. He was carrying a lot of scraps on a plate to a hound dog that had a kennel out near George's cabin, and he walled his eyes right thoughtful and scratched his head with the fork he had been scraping the plate with. But, for a while, nothing come of it. Finally, George says, I speck my judgment does about the same as Moss Williams and Miss Lucy's. I'se notice hit most generally am the same. That can't be, George, says I, for they think different ways. Then, if dat am the case, says George, dey ain't no one kin settle hit, twelve hit, settles hit self. I's most ingentily notice a thing do settle hit self arter a while. Yes, yeah, sir, I's noticed dat. Long time ago, dey was considerable guines on in dis yah country, mouse Daniel. I don't know if you'll ever hear about that or not, Moss Daniel, but they was a war fit right here in this here county. Such gwines on as never was, them die Yankees a-riding around and eating up the face of de youth, like the plagues of fail, Moss Daniel, and ripping and rarin' and racing and stealing everything they could lay their hands on, Moss Daniel. And a why folks a ridin' and a racin' and projectin' around in the same unsettled way. Moss William, he low he, gwine, settled out the war he self, yes, sir. And he got on he hoss, and he ride away and jine Moss Jeb Stuart. But they don't settle hit. Moss Abraham Lincoln. He low he gwine settle hit, and send millions and millions mo of dem Yankees down here, Mars Daniel, but they des on settle hit wuss'n ever, but arter a while it des settle hit self. And then freedom broke out among the niggers, and they was more gwine's on and talkin. And some on em loud they was gwine to be no more walk, Mars Daniel, but arter a while dat settled hitself, and they all went back to walk again. Then some on the niggers gets the notion, Mars Daniel, they gone for gwine far to vote. And they was more Gwines on, and the Ku Kluxes come a-projectin' around nights like the, the graveyards done been resurrected, Moss Daniel. And then, out of a while, dat trouble settled hit self. Then, out of the Ku Kluxes, they was the time Miss Lucy Buckner gwine to marry Moss Print Mcmakin, And she don't want to marry him if they give her her druthers about it. But old Ma's Colonel Hampton, her grandpa, and her aunt, my Miss Lucy here, they ain't gwine to give her no druthers, and they was more gwines on, but that settle hitself too. George, he begins to chuckle, and I asked him how. Yes, sir, ah. that settle hitself. But I spec Miss Lucy Buckner done help some in de settlement. For the day before the wedding was gwine to be, she ups and she runs off with a Yankee friend of her brother, Colonel Tom Buckner. And I spec Colonel Tom and Moss Print McMakin would a settled him if they ever had a coched him dat dad David Armstrong. "'Who?' says I. "'David Armstrong was his entitlement,' says George. "'And he been gwine to the same college as Moss Tom Buckner up north somewhat. "'Dats how come he been visiting Moss Tom des before the wedding. "'Trouble unsettled, settled his self Well... Give me quite a turn to run into the mention of that there David Armstrong again in this part of the country. Here he had been jiltin' Miss Hampton way up in Indiana, and running away with another girl down here in Tennessee. Then it struck me, maybe it is just different parts of the same story I've been hearing of, and Martha had got her part a little wrong. George, I says. What did you say Miss Lucy Buckner's granddad's name was? Colonel Hampton. Does the same as my Miss Lucy before she done married Moss William. That made me sure of it. It was the same woman. She had run away with David Armstrong from this here same neighborhood. Then, after he got her up north, he had left her, or her left him. And then she wasn't Miss Bugner no longer, and she was mad and wouldn't call herself Miss Ar- Mrs. Armstrong. So she moved away from where anyone was liable to trace her to, and took her mother's maiden name, which was Hampton. Well, I says, whatever became of them after they run off, George? But George has told about all he knows. They went north, according to what everybody thinks, he says. Prent McMacon, he followed and hunted, and Colonel Tom Buckner, he done the same. For about a year, Colonel Tom, he was always making trips away from there to the north, but whether he ever got any track of his sister and that David Armstrong, nobody knowed. Nobody ever asked him. Old Colonel Hampton, he grieved and he grieved, And not long after the runaway, he up and died. And Tom Buckner, he finally sold all he owned in that part of the country and moved further south. George said he didn't rightly know whether it was Alabama or Florida, or it might have been Georgia. I thinks to myself that maybe Mrs. Davis would like to know where her niece is and that I better tell her about Miss Hampton being in that there little Indiana town and where it is. And then I thinks to myself, I better not butt in, for Miss Hampton has likely got her own reasons for keeping away from her folks, or else she wouldn't do it. Anyhow, it's none of my affair to bring the subject up to em. It looks to me like one of them things George has been gassing about, one of them things that has settled itself, and it ain't for me to meddle and unsettle it. It set me to thinking about Martha, too. Not that I hadn't thought of her lots of times. I'd often thought I would write her, but I kept putting it off, and pretty soon I kind of forgot Martha. i had seen a lot of different girls of all kinds since I'd seen Martha, yet whenever I happened to think of Martha, I had always liked her best. Only, moving around the country so much makes it kind of hard to keep thinking steady of the same girl. Besides, I had lost that there half of a ring, too. But, knowing what I did now about Miss Hampton being Miss Buckner, or Mrs. Armstrong, and related to these Davises, made me want to get away from there. For that secret made me feel kind of sneakin'. "'like I wasn't being frank and open with. "'Yet if I had of told them, "'I would have felt sneaking her, yet, "'for giving Miss Hampton away. "'I never got into a mix-up away "'betwixt my conscience and my duty, "'but what it made me feel awful uncomfortable. "'So I guessed I would light out from there. "'They wasn't never no kinder, better people "'than them Davises, either.' They were so pleased with my bringing Bud home the night he was shot, they would have just naturally give me half of their farm if I'd have asked them for it. They wanted me to stay there, they didn't say for how long, and I guess they didn't give a dern. But I was in a sweat to catch up with Dr. Kirby again. You have been listening to the First Person Drunk Podcast. Today, we had Danny's Own Story by Don Marquis, Chapter 13. And once again, this is an early 20th century book, takes place in the South. And in my own defense, uh, everything George says is written in dialect, as is everything in the whole book. Uh, And also in my defense, First Person Drunk is brought to you by me, Miles Tabor, by the public domain, And buy delicious whiskey.